The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. And now please stand for the reading of the gospel. to you, Lord Christ. Will you pray with me? 
Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. So I didn't grow up following the church calendar. That wasn't something that we did in the tradition that I grew up in. Uh, we, we had some religious holidays that were intermingled with civil holidays. Uh, but mostly it looked like Christmas, and Christmas was on a fixed day every single year. So we had a, a Christmas Eve service and then a, a Christmas Day service if it was a Sunday. Uh, otherwise it was just the Christmas Eve service. And then we celebrated Good Friday and Easter. And that was it. The, the other holidays that were mixed in were just civil holidays throughout the year. And the, the placement for Easter, the placement for, for Christmas, seemed like it was just we do those things because we do those things. There wasn't a, a, a rhythm to it. There wasn't any sense to it. And it wasn't until I began uh, much later in life worshiping with Anglicans um, and, and beginning my own journey into Anglicanism that I, I was introduced to this concept of the church year, this idea that we as God's people begin every single year telling the story of God again and again and again, locating ourselves within the story of God again and again. We begin by, by talking about his gift, his promise, his birth, his ministry on earth. We walk through the, the, the glorious passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, his victory over sin and death. And then through Pentecost, we walk into the season of the church and we, we look at the ways that the Holy Spirit himself is now guiding the church toward its end, the end where all people will gather around the throne proclaiming that Christ is king in the midst of his new creation. And this story is the story that we tell over and over again in our church year. There's something that is incredibly rich and life-changing about locating ourselves within the story of God's salvation. Finding ourselves within God's salvation story changes not just how we see ourselves, but it changes how we see the world around us. It changes how we see our neighbors. It changes the way that we interact with people on a daily basis. And in the midst of the church here, there are all kinds of incredible things that happen. As I was beginning to to see this, I I first was drawn into the, the drama and the pageantry of the Easter celebration. And then realizing that the Easter celebration is all that more uh, incredible because of the Lenten practices that we go through, this, this season of bright sadness. But of all of the seasons of the church year, Advent is my favorite. And I think I love Advent the most because the, the season of Advent most perfectly captures our life as Christians. This idea of living not quite in the fulfillment of hope, but not wholly in longing for God to be revealed, but in between hope and longing, in between joy and hunger, this already and not yetness of God's kingdom, where we recognize that we live awaiting the second advent, rejoicing in the power, rejoicing in the salvation, rejoicing in the hope that we have because of the first advent. And so we sit 
quietly and patiently and we wait. And that's the life of the church. Our life together as Christians is a life of Advent. We live looking to what Jesus has done and has accomplished. And we wait patiently in the power of the Holy Spirit for what is going to be revealed about us and about each other and about God's church and about God's creation. When Luke begins telling the story of Jesus, he wants us to see that the story of Jesus is not simply a new story that God is telling. God doesn't begin all things again with Jesus. That when Jesus is given to creation, when God gives God's self to us, he does so in the midst of a story. It's not as though there was... Sometimes we think about the Old Testament as though it's this sort of thing that exists over here. And then it's over. We get to Malachi or, uh, or maybe one of the intertestamental books and we say, all right, well, that's the end of that story. And then we start all over again. Now it's the New Testament. We're starting over with a new story. That's not true. That's not the story of what God is at work doing. <clears throat> Rather, we are standing... At the edge of an incredible, beautiful promise that is about to be fulfilled. That was something that I, I ran across this week as I, was, uh, as I was reading one of my favorite Old Testament scholars, Chad Bird, was talking about this, this image that we see in Luke of the church standing at that precipice and looking forward into the beautiful thing that God is about to accomplish. See, the story of God's people begins with God calling an elderly childless couple to himself and giving them the promise of a future, giving them the promise that things were going to continue through them, that he was going to make a people for himself through them. And he called them into a kind of relationship that was built entirely upon hope. And it was a difficult kind of a hope because for most of their lives, they carried with them a shame that this God that they followed had not yet fulfilled this promise that he had made to them. Now, sometimes they got mixed up and, and tried to figure things out on their own, and that causes its own sorts of problems. But in the end, they remain faithful to the promise that God has made to them, that God is calling to himself a new people. And so Abraham and Sarah are given Isaac. They're given the promise of a future, the promise of a family, the promise of a new people that will belong to God. But the next thing that happens in the story of God's people is that they find themselves enslaved. And not only do they find themselves enslaved, but they are enslaved and they are forbidden to worship God their God, in the way that he has commanded them to worship him. And in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their, their distance from, from the worship of God, they cry out for deliverance, this longing hunger to be set free, not just so that they would no longer be slaves, but so that they could be God's people in God's presence. And so God makes himself present among them. And he forbids their enslavers from worshiping their gods the way that they wish to. 
And in doing so, he sets his people free and brings them into a new home, into a new life with him. And yet in this life, they are continually surrounded by enemies. And all that they feel is anxiety and fear from the people that are on the outside and from the problems that are happening inside. And they cry out to God for justice. They say, God, we want you to make the world right. And so God gives them a king to set things right. And he says that this king is going to be the throne that is among you. This king's throne is going to be the way that I live in your midst again. These people move from the promise of Isaac to God's presence at Sinai and in the tabernacle. And they move on to seeing God reveal himself through the king's throne. And yet it's not enough. Because we have short memories, don't we? And so instead of being God's people, in God's presence, in the place that he's given to them, they insist on bringing other gods into that place. They insist on giving themselves over to other powers. And so they find themselves in exile. All of those hopes dashed until in exile, the angel Gabriel comes to Daniel and whispers to him the promise of a new king of a new home, of a new future. That a child will come to set them free and bring them back to God. That is exactly the story that Luke is telling us about God's beginning to be human among his people. It begins with a childless couple who are hanging on to the promise that God has given them that there will be life and there will be hope and there will be future. And that future will be a proclamation of what God has done and what God is about to do. And then a virgin hears a promise that's made to her about God's salvation. That God is coming to set his people free and she sings a song of deliverance. That salvation is going to come through the throne of David, the throne that God had given. But it's now God himself who is going to sit upon that throne. And it's the angel Gabriel himself again who comes to say that God's people will be brought back to God. And when she asks him, how will this be? He says the same words... That have been said over and over and over again throughout the New Testament of God's presence with his people. God's presence on the top of Sinai. God's presence over the mercy seat. God's presence in the midst of the temple. That God is going to overshadow you. That God is going to cover over you and be present with you. This is the promise that is being made to her. And this is the promise that's being made to us. That's Advent. This is Advent itself. The promise of what is and the promise of what was and the promise of what is coming. That God is with us. That we can be God's people. That we can dwell in God's presence. That we can live in God's home. 
That's our hope. Hope that we are a people who have been chosen. Hope that we are a people who have been called. Hope that we are a people who have been grafted into a promise that we didn't have any right to lay claim to. And yet God now calls us his own people. Calls us his sons and his daughters. We can know the hope of God's calling. We can know the peace that comes through the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. To know that our slavery to sin and death has been overthrown because Christ lives and because Christ reigns. That we can know joy because we can see God's new creation erupting all around us all the time. That we can see it in our lives, that we can see it in our homes, that we can see it in our parish, and that we can see it in our neighborhoods. That we can know joy because God is with us. And because God is with us, we have known love. Not love the way that the world gives, where it always has a price tag attached to it, where it always has strings hanging on to it, but love the way that God loves Giving everything that he is. Giving everything that he has. Holding nothing back. Expecting nothing in return. That's Advent. That's Christmas. That's the gospel. And so we stand here together in the midst of Advent as we watch Advent draw to a close. On the very shortest fourth week of Advent that you will experience for at least another eight or nine years. All seven hours of it this afternoon. We stand here together watching and waiting, hoping and expectant. Not just that we are going to sing Christmas carols that we all love. We are. And not just that we are going to feast on delicious foods that we all love. Which we are. And not that we are going to open gifts that have been given to us. Which we are. But standing here at the edge of Advent, at the precipice of Christmas, hoping and trusting and longing and hungering for Christ to reveal himself again, for the King to come back, to set us free, to set the world right. For God's presence to be with his people in a way that never leaves. For God to call us his own and make his home among us. And so we wait and we watch and we hope and we trust. Because we know that God is with us. We know that God is with us because he has sealed you in baptism. We know that God is with us because he invites us to seat down with him at his table. We know that God is with us because we receive his blessing. And we know that God is with us and awaits us as we journey back into the world to join him in the work that he continues to do. We trust that God is with us and that he is again 
calling his people to himself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.